Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. How to Read a Book the Classic Guide to Intelligent Reading by Mortimer Alder and Charles Van Doren Have you ever thought about how you read a book? Most people just glance at the cover, scan through the blurb and table of contents, then jump right into the first chapter. According to the authors, this is the wrong approach. In this book, they explain how to read intelligently to maximize your learning and growth. The skills and approach are relevant for all types of material, but they're most valuable for reading great books with solid, timeless insights. In this summary, we'll be presenting the insights in three parts. Becoming an Intelligent Reader Understanding the Four Levels of Reading and Applying the Insights to Different Types of Books Let's begin! Part 1. Becoming an Intelligent Reader According to the authors, the goal of reading should be to improve your understanding, not just to gather information. You're informed if you can remember what an author said. However, you're only enlightened if you can explain what he meant and why he said it in your own words. To read intelligently, you must develop the habit of answering four key questions as you read. First, what is the book about? Second, how does the author present the ideas? Third, is the book true, in whole, or in part? Finally, so what? If you agree with the author, what should you do with the new insights? In order to answer these four questions, you must master the four levels of reading. Elementary reading means that you have enough literacy to make out what the sentences say. Inspectional reading means that you can quickly and systematically skim through a book to get the gist of what it's about. Analytical reading is about reading a book as thoroughly as possible so you can fully understand the book. Syntopical reading is about comparing and analyzing across multiple books to learn a complex topic. These four levels are cumulative, with each level building on the previous ones. We'll return to them shortly. Meantime, you can also mark a book as you read to better digest and recall the key ideas. As you're reading, you can underline or circle the key words draw a vertical line at the margin, add numbers to show a series of arguments, add cross-references to other pages, write your questions and responses in the margins, or use asterisks to indicate the most important parts of the book. When you've finished a book, make a personal index and outline the book in your own words. Part 2. The Four Levels of Reading 
To recap, elementary reading means that you have good enough command of the vocabulary, grammar, and syntax to make out the literal meaning of words and sentences. Now, let's take a closer look at the next three levels of reading. The second level of reading is inspectional reading, which involves pre-reading and superficial reading. Pre-reading is about skimming a book quickly and systematically to get a gist of what it's about, so you can decide if you want to read it in detail. Read the title page and preface to get a sense of the book category. Then, study the table of contents and index to get a sense of the content structure and range of topics. Next, read the publisher's blurb before zooming in on the most important chapters. Look for summary statements, which are usually found at the start or end of chapters. Then, randomly flip through the pages, reading a few paragraphs here and there. Include the last two to three pages of the book, which may contain a concluding summary. Now that you have a rough idea of what the book is about, do a superficial reading from start to end, without stopping to ponder the confusing parts. In this way, you won't waste time on a book that only deserves a superficial reading. On the other hand, if it's a good book, you can always revisit the difficult sections on your second reading. The third level of reading is analytical reading. This is much more complex and involves three stages, outlining, interpreting, and critiquing. In stage one of analytical reading, you outline the structure to answer the first of the four key questions. What is the book about overall? There are four rules to help you classify the book, identify its main theme and sub-themes. Rule one, know the type of book you're reading ASAP and ideally before you start reading the book. Classify the book by its type, such as fiction versus nonfiction, poetry versus physics. Rule 2. Summarize the essence of the whole book in as few words as possible. Do this in one sentence, ideally, and no more than a short paragraph. Rule 3. Summarize the key parts of the book, how they relate to one another, and the overall theme. Rule four, identify the problems that the author is trying to solve. In other words, what is the author's purpose for writing this book? In stage two of analytical reading, you interpret the content to answer the second of the four key questions. How does the author present the ideas? There are four additional rules to ensure you fully understood the author's key terms, propositions, and arguments. Rule 5. Find the key terms in the book and know what they mean. A word can have multiple meanings, whereas a term has only one unambiguous definition. It's your responsibility as the reader to figure out how the author has defined the key terms. For example, the word read can be interpreted in many ways, but in this book, 
it specifically refers to reading for enlightenment. In any book, there will be a set of keywords to convey the author's main ideas. For instance, in The Origin of Species, Charles Darwin uses the word species along with other words like variety, selection, survival, adaptation, and genus. Find those key words, then decipher their meaning by interpreting the words in the context of the passages they're found in. Rule 6. Find the key propositions. A proposition is a conclusion or an answer to a question. It must be supported by proper reasoning and evidence. Look for the key sentences which contain a conclusion, an assertion, or facts to support an argument. Rule 7. Gather all the arguments and present them in your own words. The author's proposition and arguments are usually scattered throughout the book. Number and connect the points, then rewrite them in your own words. Test your understanding by considering how they relate to real-world experiences or scenarios. Rule 8. Establish how far the author has solved his problems. Identify the author's solutions and decide if he has fully resolved the problems he set out to solve. If not, is the author aware of the unresolved issues? In Stage 3 of Analytical Reading, you critique the book to answer the last two questions. Is it true? And so what? Use three rules of intellectual etiquette to critique the book fairly. Rule 9. Understand the book fully before you judge it. To fully understand the author's intent and message, you must first finish the previous two stages. That is, outline and interpret the book. Only then can you judge the book meaningfully. Specifically, you may agree, disagree, or suspend your judgment. Rule 10. Don't disagree contentiously. Respect the author's intent and effort by minimally giving the book your reasonable, critical consideration. Rule 11. Give reasons for your disagreement. This helps you to differentiate between personal opinion versus real knowledge. An objective criticism should meet at least one of four criteria. First, the author may be uninformed, that is, he's missing certain knowledge or data about the problem being solved. For example, Charles Darwin's work on evolution was missing important information about genetics. Second, the author may be misinformed or saying something that's untrue. Aristotle was misinformed in his hypotheses that females were males that stopped developing prematurely in the womb. Third, the author may be illogical. That is, the evidence of reasons offered do not support his conclusion. Finally, the author's analysis could be incomplete. That is, he has failed to use the materials properly, make important distinctions, solve all the problems stated, or address their full implications. 
If you cannot prove that the author is uninformed, misinformed, or illogical, then you must agree with the author even if you dislike the conclusion. You may suspend your judgment if the author's analysis is incomplete, but this isn't enough for you to disagree with the author. The ability to read analytically already makes you a much better reader than most. However, to become truly well-read, you must cover a wide range of books and be able to synthesize them. That's where syntopical reading comes in. This is the final and most advanced level of reading, where you research and learn enough to form a comprehensive, informed perspective about a topic. Imagine you want to learn about love or gender. Each topic spans across so many different areas that it's hard to even define its scope. Moreover, different authors have drastically different perspectives, making it hard to pin down what's right or true. So, you'll need to proceed in two phases, initial inspection and syntopical reading. Ideally, start by making an exhaustive list of all the books which may be relevant to your subject. This could come up to tens or hundreds of books. Then, use inspectional reading to quickly go through the list. Your goal is to get a good enough idea about the subject so you can reduce your reading list to a more manageable size. Now you're ready to read syntopically in five steps. First, find the most relevant passages in each book. Unlike analytical reading, you're not trying to understand the book or the author's purpose. You just want to learn if and how a book can help you to answer your question or meet your goal. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. Second, you must reconcile the terms across different books to establish your own terminology. Since the same word will be defined differently in different books, you must bring all the authors to your terms, not vice versa. Translate the ideas from the original problems they were designed for to the problem you are dealing with. Third, develop a set of questions that can help you to solve your problems or form your propositions. Then, match each book to the questions. Fourth, define the issues by looking at the range of direct or indirect answers. The wider the range of answers, the more complex or contentious the subject. Finally, analyze the discussion by creating a set of ordered discussions. Organize the issues and discussions in a logical manner. Examine each author's answer to a question and make notes about why and how the answers differ. Your goal is to arrange and present the arguments in an objective and detached way, without taking sides. 
This helps you to see the subject holistically and make a real breakthrough. You've just learned the four levels of reading and how they can help you to answer the four key questions behind any book. What is the book about? How does the author present the ideas? Is this true? And so what? Having said that, you cannot read every book the same way. The four key questions must be answered differently when you're reading, say, a science fiction novel versus a non-fiction book about the principles of physics. That brings us to Part 3, How to Read Different Types of Material. Generally, books can be classified into fiction or non-fiction books. Analytical and syntopical reading are meant primarily for non-fiction books, which are also known as expository books. These can be further divided into theoretical versus practical books. Theoretical books present observable knowledge without judgment, that is, they share what is going on. These include books about scientific rules, history, or the state of the global economy. Practical books teach you how to do something. They usually involve some judgment of what you should do, as well as the costs and benefits involved. Practical books include guidebooks, manuals, or normative books that address ethical, economic, or political problems. When you're reading practical books, it's important to remember that no matter how useful the knowledge or instructions, they won't solve your problems. Only you can solve the problems by taking action in the real world. When you're answering the four questions for a practical book, focus on both the means and the goals. If you're not interested in the author's goals or outcomes, then you won't care about how to achieve them in the first place. Evaluate the author's recommended solutions by considering the underlying rules or principles, how far the author has solved the problems, and how you can apply them in practice. If you agree with the author, then you should take action. For example, if you agree with the authors of this book, yet don't change the way you read, then it means that you're not fully convinced about the goal to read more skillfully or the means of achieving it. How about imaginative literature, like novels, plays, or poetry? Unlike expository books, which seek to convey knowledge, fiction or imaginative literature seeks to convey experiences. So you should interpret and judge the material with a different set of criteria. There's no need to investigate the terms, propositions, or check if the technical details are consistent with the real world. Instead, consider if the actions or events are plausible in the fictional world created by the author. Immerse yourself in the imaginary world and allow yourself to be emotionally moved by the experiences. Understand the world in which the characters live, get to know the characters well enough to see the events through their eyes, and share their experiences. Don't judge the material until you've fully experienced what the author intended. 
give reasons for why you like or dislike the material, and express how it's impacted you. Specifically, if you're reading a story or novel, immerse yourself fully and finish it in one sitting if possible. Don't evaluate it until you've reached the end and can see how the parts relate to one another. When you're reading a play, imagine it being enacted on a stage. Read the words slowly as if they were being performed for a live audience. After answering the four questions, try directing the play to explain why certain words are significant and how to bring out the climax. If you're reading poetry, start by reading the entire poem to get the overall experience without stopping to ponder the words. This allows you to hear the rhymes and rhythms, emphasize the correct words, and better appreciate the poem, since each reread can offer new discoveries and insights. Now, let's look at how you should read history books, which are basically a narrative account of a period or an event in the past. Most so-called historical facts are not truly facts. They come from subjective interpretation of second-hand information like diaries, letters, or articles. Since most of the people involved are already dead, there's no way to verify the accuracy of their accounts or assumptions. A good historian may study an event from multiple viewpoints and cross-examine his sources. However, he must still make assumptions about what happened and why and it's simply impossible to account for every variable or to fully explain complex human motivators. When answering the four questions, define how the historian is telling the story, assess if the sources are credible, and if the material has been analyzed appropriately. Having said that, history's real value doesn't come from answering what happened Great history offers timeless insights about human behaviors. It explains why we continue to repeat the same patterns generation after generation. So, when you're reading history, aim to read more than one account to get a fuller picture, and learn not just what happened, but why people behaved the way they did. When you're reading biographies, remember that Autobiographies and authorized biographies tend to be biased or incomplete since they seek to paint the person in a positive light. However, definitive biographies, which are scholarly works of important people, tend to be more comprehensive and objective. Materials on current affairs face similar issues as historical ones. The so-called facts are filtered through the author's eyes, and we can never fully explain what's happening in a complex world. So, always consider what the author is trying to prove, why, and whether the story is truly credible. Next, let's take a look at math and science books. In particular, the authors focus on classics and popularizations that explain the history, philosophy, or principles of math and science. These are useful for general readers, 
since they help us to understand how great scientists try to solve problems, the types of thinking and experimentation that led to breakthroughs, and how you can see things in a different way. For example, for mathematics to seem less daunting, try to see it as a language with its own grammar, vocabulary, and syntax. How about books on philosophy? Philosophy requires a sense of wonder and curiosity about the world. Broadly, there's two groups of philosophical questions. Theoretical ones involve what is or what's happening, such as questions about knowledge, existence, or change. Normative or practical questions involve what we should do, including what's good or evil, right or wrong. Philosophical questions are answered solely in the mind. Questions like, how should humans live? Or, what's the meaning of life? Cannot be answered fully by science or experiments. You can only think deeply on an issue and reflect on your own experiences and observations. As you answer the four questions, consider the assumptions and experiences underlying the philosopher's principles. How far do these relate to your own observations and experiences, bearing in mind that many questions are genuinely unsolvable? Your role is to make up your own mind using solid reasoning and to become aware of the unsolved mysteries around you. The last category of book is social science. Traditionally, this includes economics, politics, sociology, and anthropology, which are in turn related to fields like psychology, business, law, public administration, education, and social service. Social science materials, both fiction and nonfiction, are relatively easy to read because they involve familiar issues like crime, poverty, education, culture, gender, or racial issues. However, it can be hard to stay objective since we may hold strong views about such issues. It's also common to misinterpret a book due to different or inconsistent definitions for words like society or wealth. Similar to history, Social sciences are subject to the author's biases, subjective interpretation, and assumptions. To learn a social science subject, you must read several books, not just one. That's because social science naturally spans across multiple domains, so you must read widely to understand the subject and its scope. There's also no single authoritative book on a topic. Arguments can be highly contextual, and authors often hold conflicting views. What's more, materials can get outdated quickly, so syntopical reading is especially crucial for social sciences. You've just learned the four key questions, four levels of reading, and how to apply them to read different types of books. One of the best ways to stretch your mind and improve yourself is to tackle great books that require analytical and syntopical reading. 
This book includes many other details such as discussions of works by Galileo, Shakespeare, Kant, Darwin, Newton, and other authors, examples of analytical and syntopical reading notes, a recommended reading list, as well as exercises and tests for the four levels of reading. If you've enjoyed the ideas in this summary, do get a copy of the book for more details. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes.